1: Here is Dr. Arnold with today's message.
0: Do you see a a humility among the people of America? Where they just want to do right and realize, you know, we have violated God's Word. We've done wrong. We need to change this and get it corrected. I'd love to see it. And never know that down the road it might happen. Now look in verse 19. Verse 19 says, Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. Now this is what God has to say. This is what he's going to do. And you notice that it even talks about their thoughts. Do you believe that God can see the wickedness in America and read the minds of everybody? Do you think God ought to just, oh, forget about it? Because you and I know that God took a vacation and He's not even up to date on what's going on. God is old fashioned, no, he, he doesn't know what the 21st century is all about. People have changed. Because people have changed, the laws ought to change. And because people want more freedom, do away with all those laws like the Ten Commandments. We don't want them in the church, and we don't want them in the courthouse. We don't want them in Washington. Don't want them in our schools. Because, you know, it makes people feel bad when you tell them that there's a God. And then they... Hear these laws, thou shalt not commit adultery. Everybody commits adultery. You know that. You can't just tell these kids to say no. But it's amazing when they came out with this drug thing. Just say no. Oh, you can do it with drugs. Why can't you do it with the other? No. And teach kids how to restrain themselves. But that's unheard of. There's no way that's possible. So you got to prepare them In case. Isn't it a shame that young girls have to take the pill in case? What was wrong with them just keeping their knees together? And keeping themselves pure and holy until they get married? Is something wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with what God has to say. Now look in chapter 7. Chapter 7, look in verse 3. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. It doesn't have to be this way. Amend your ways, and you can stay here. But if you don't, you're out of here. And they were taken out of there. Jeremiah warned them. They didn't like what Jeremiah had to say. They put him in a pit. He thought he was going to die. He later on wound up going all the way down into Egypt. In verse 4, he says, Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood, In this place, neither walk after other gods to hurt you. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place. In the land that I gave to your fathers. And look at those next few words. Forever and ever. Did you know that Israel could have been in the land? Already been in the thousand year reign. It didn't have to be the way it happened. Because (laughs) they're hard headed. They would not listen. Now, as I'm talking and sharing some of this, do you see anything in here that you could apply to your own life? If you know how God deals with a nation, isn't it also possible that we could see how maybe there's things as an individual that I could be doing that maybe I shouldn't be doing? And that God can take me out of here. Do you believe God can just take you out of here anytime? Do you believe that if you do right... God will bless you. And if you don't, God's going to chasten you. Mm -hmm. So look down in verse 11. Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. The Lord sees. He knows everything. I want you to take your Bible and look in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Let me give you a couple of things that uh, you can dwell on momentarily. While our nation is killing millions of babies, our schools are indoctrinating Christian kids in secular humanism. The truth has fallen in the street. Our preachers are attending church growth seminars, usually self help books, to uh, supplement the Bible and chasing after the books. One in the middle. And they fiddle while the nation burned, building their church rather than Christ's kingdom. I believe if we do what's right, let God take care of that. Christ says, upon this rock, I will build my church. I can't build his church. I can only teach the word. I can't save anybody. I can't make anybody do anything. I can only teach what I believe the word of God says and let God build his church. Build his people. But here's some things to think about. Public schools are destroying the faith of Christian children. They are. Legislation is introduced to remove the rights of parents. Children are taught they came from apes. Millions of children are medicated to control their behavior. You believe that? A lot of kids are on Drugs. But a lot of times today, you know, if your kid's a little on the rowdy side, you know, put him in a stupor or make him like a zombie and give him something to kind of, so that he's not so hyperactive. Uh, most boys are. That's why boys are boys. And that's why boys used to get in trouble. Boys are raised on dirt. You ever squash dirt between your toes, mud, you know, squash mud between toes? Hate to wear shoes. The first two years of school, I, I went barefooted. My parents couldn't even afford me shoes. So I went barefooted to school. Anybody here ever wear overalls? Only a couple of you? Kyla wore overalls? I had to. But, man, I, my daddy wore them overalls. I, man, I, I had a pair of overalls. And I was in second grade when my daddy bought me a pair of pants where you put a belt on. And, man, I was, was high-stepping. But another thing is gambling is promoted to pay for schools. Now, think about this. Is gambling good or bad? It's bad. But they have gambling so that they can raise money to pay for the schools. So what do you teach? It seemed like a a paradox. It's not supposed to be. I don't like gambling in any form. I don't like it. I don't like the, I'm going to get rich quick. That's what it all boils down to. Wanting something quick without working for it. And so you have a way you can get rich, but everything is geared toward the ones who make the rules, and I've had people, you know, you can go to a place down in Las Vegas. Anybody ever been to Las Vegas? No, they don't have to raise your hand. Look at it. Oh my stars. Half the church has been to Las Vegas. You ever see those one arm bandits? I've been there and I've seen all of that stuff and I've seen people just putting the money in there because, you know, the reason they're doing it, why? Well, because I might win, I might win. And they look at all that money in them quarters and dollar bills that's laying right there on the edge and if I can just get one little quarter to push that over there, woo, I might win. And so that hope, that little dream, and uh, you'd be surprised. So if, if the states make money, In order to help the schools. Have you ever seen it so far. Where they're going to let gambling come in. Because it will give us money for the schools. And they never have enough money for the schools. Why don't they have enough. And then 80% of all your property taxes. Goes for the public schools. And that's not enough. When I ran for the. uh, State Board of Education. Out in Colorado. in 1982. I told them, and this was at the statewide convention that they had, and so I had a chance to speak because I was running for the State Board of Education, just, so there's about two or 3,000 people there. So I was to give about 10 minutes of my little speech of why I thought I would do a better job. I says, number one, I have a school. I know how to run a school. And two, our kids are two years higher than the public education. And three, I says, I charge one-third of what they charge in the public school. So to me, that makes sense. Why, I could do a better job. I can do it cheaper, do it better, and I've got the experience. Oh, did it scare the NEA, the National Education Association, and the Colorado Association. They all came after me. It's unreal. But I got about five or six standing ovations. (laughs) And I decided to do it about two or three days before they had the convention. But I believed that I told the truth, that we could do a lot better job. So gambling is not something they want to do away with because they get the money. So then they want to do more gambling because they don't have enough money. So you got to gamble some more. And then the people that are the poorest generally are wind up losing all of their money gambling and playing the lottery And they're the ones that might have to have the help because they're so poor. But they're poor because we might win. We just might win. But if you don't, the money's gone. Be smarter. Be wiser. Have you ever heard them talk about sin taxes? You know, like alcohol and cigarettes. You know, those are what they call sin taxes. So they... Don't want to do away with the sin because they tax it and they can make money. So you can make all the, you know, the the sin you want to do because they don't care how much you smoke, how much you drink, because the government makes money off of the sin tax. So do you think they want people to stop the sin? No, because that's how they're making money. What's wrong with just doing right and paying what's right and legitimate? And you'd be surprised how it will work. And what about those precious babies that are murdered in the womb? Planned Parenthood kills babies with our tax dollars and judges make laws. Tolerance trumps truth. Everybody's got to be tolerant today. But everybody wants us to be tolerant when they are not tolerant of us. And you'll see that homosexuality is granted legal protection. I had somebody call me the other day, and they asked me if I would give them an answer. I says, well, what's what's your question? Did Jesus ever have anything to say against homosexuality? Did he say anything against it? Because, you know, there's a question there. Well, if he didn't say anything against it, why should we? We should teach what Jesus taught. Doesn't that make sense? Well, I just want to show you a very quick couple. You're going to have to answer it sooner or later. But look there in Matthew in chapter 11. And you'll notice there in verse 23. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. So did Jesus say that there was a Sodom? Yeah, he did. Verse 24, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. So he did say that there was Sodom. He did say that it no longer exists. He did say that it would have remained if. Now take your Bible and look in the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 17. You have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But look in chapter 17 of Luke. And notice what he says here in uh, verse 28. Verse 28. This is Jesus, and this is Jesus speaking. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot. So does he name a particular individual? So how was it in the days of Lot? Does he want us to know? How are we supposed to know? Unless we go back to Genesis and read the story, then we will know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, with a man named Lot. And then he says this, they did eat and they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom. So, did Lot go out of Sodom, according to the Old Testament? Yeah. Yeah. Angels took him out. His wife went, two daughters. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven. Now, if this is true, and Jesus is referring to it, then could it be true that Jesus is saying something about the sin of sodomy? Look what he says there in verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Well, how can you remember Lot's wife if you don't know anything about Lot's wife? Where are we going to find anything about Lot's wife? Back there in the book of Genesis. And so she did turn back and he refers. So he's telling us that story is true. That story is true. The story is just. And he's using that as a warning about not being prepared when the Lord comes. And how that the Lord is going to destroy. Just like he did there. He's going to do it again. In the uh, tribulation period. So we know that government has replaced God as a defender and provider. Faith-based initiatives invite the government into the church. The IRS muzzles the voice of the church, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. I wanted just to read this to you real quick, because it's just a, a little bit about something just recently. And this is because the day is coming, and I mentioned to this to you a couple of weeks ago. What to do when forced to perform a gay wedding? Has it happened anywhere? It says, eventually pastors in America will be ordered to preside over homosexual marriages. They'll have three choices. One, surrender, disobey God's law and obey man's. Two, stand firm, disobey man's law and obey God's. Or three, use the opportunity to serve, speak truth in love and glorify Jesus. And this guy says, I like the third option. And I thought, no. But then I read what he had to say. I thought it was interesting. Churches in Denmark are now compelled by law to host same-sex weddings. America's next. Tyranny's appetite is insatiable. The secular left's hunger for power and control over its detractors can never be satisfied. To outwardly succumb and affirmatively capitulate to their pagan demands will never be enough. Thought control is the goal. Case in point. Remember Jack Phillips, the Christian baker in Colorado? He exercised his First Amendment religious rights and politely declined to bake a wedding cake for a homosexual civil union. Heard that on the news? It was on the news. Colorado's Civil Rights Star Chamber recently ordered Mr. Phillips to deny his faith, ordered it, to deny his faith and bake these fake cakes. Shut down or face prison. Those were his options. He and his elderly mother, an employee, have additionally been sentenced to attend sensitivity training. Now, this is what's going Do you believe? I mean, they had to go and have sensitivity training. Can you see them telling me to go and have sensitivity training? I don't know what's, what would happen, but I'm about as sensitive as you can get to truth. But I don't know what's coming down the road. But I could just go in the corner and cry and whine and pine and moan and groan. Or just say, Lord, walk me through it. And enjoy the trip. But this is what it says. There... Some grad, college grad with a degree in feminist gender studies or some other nonsense, will endeavor to scrub all biblical notions of human sexuality and natural marriage from their minds. Hearts and soul reboot and upload Mozilla moral revelivism. As Mr. Phillips had indicated, he had no problem baking for homosexuals. But as a Christian, he simply cannot and will not contribute his time in God-given gifts to bake a wedding cake that mocks and defiles God's design for the immutable institution of legitimate marriage. Nor would he bake for a white supremacist rally or any other similarly wicked event that likewise flaunts biblical truth. As a result, Philip has said he will stop baking wedding cakes altogether. He says, I hope he'll reconsider. I hope that Mr. Philip will bake on. I hope he'll embrace the mantle of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and engage in civil disobedience. I hope he tells this brood of vipers in a loving and Christian way to get bent. This is his Rosa Park moment. She was the the black lady that was on uh, the bus doing the civil rights thing. Then he should prayerfully consider attending the sensitivity training as a ministry opportunity and co-opt it for the glory of Christ. He should take it over with respectful questions and direct disagreement. He should refuse to waver one iota on biblical truth and rebuke those who deny Christ and his truths. He should educate the educators as well as anyone else in attendance. That's what it means to pick up your cross and follow Christ. But that's just some baker, right? Pastors? Sure, it's happening to photographers and florists, innkeepers and bakers, but at least the church is safe. No chance. This is the issue. For some reason, the enemy has chosen sexual immorality and false marriages as a hammer to bulge the church. Denmark was the first nation to imagine same-sex marriage as a matter of law. It's now one of the first to compel, under penalty of law, churches to desecrate holy ground by hosting these sin-centric pagan spectacles. Uh, one News Now columnist uh, Brian Fisher Report says, Well, the day we prophesied has arrived. Churches in Denmark and the United States will not be far behind, have been ordered to perform sodomy-based weddings whether they want to or not. According to the London Telegraph, a new law passed by the Danish Parliament makes it mandatory for all churches to conduct gay marriage. No options, no exceptions, no choice. Homosexuals are to be married whenever they want, regardless of whose conscience it tramples and whose sanctuary is defiled in the process. How long? Will it be before American churches will be ordered as a condition of maintaining their tax-exempt status to host same-sex ceremonies? How long will it be before American pastors are ordered to perform them? Unless America's pastors rise up one day, now that day will arrive like a thief in the night. A day when each pastor will be told that he must solemnize sodomy-based marriages in his church or his church's 501c3 status will be revoked. At that point, he and his church will effectively be out of business. Mr. Fisher is right. But he tells us what he thought about number three. When you men of the cloth are inevitably put to this test, I suggest you do the following. It will take great courage and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Preside over the mock marriage and speak the following truths in love. Let us begin with a reading from God's holy word, Matthew 19, 4 and 5. As Christ said... Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? Do we dare call the living Christ a liar? I dare not. As it is written, because of this God gave them over to shameful lust; even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for an unnatural one. In the same manner, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Romans 1.26 Dearly beloved, we are gathered here on this dark occasion because the government has threatened to imprison me otherwise. We are gathered here presumably to join party A and party B in holy matrimony. I say presumably because this cannot be. God's infallible word calls this a farce and a lie. God's holy word calls this an abomination, a mortal sin. He loves you enough, party A and party B, all who are gathered here today to tell you the truth, I love you enough to tell you the truth. God warns, word to those who call evil good and good evil. I will not call this evil good. You can persecute me, jail me, or even kill me, but you cannot force me to deny Christ. I am a sinner and cast no stones. Neither can I condemn you, but as did Jesus, I can tell you this. Go and sin no more. Repent, ask forgiveness, and believe on Jesus, because your eternity depends on it. Then walk away and pray that these Holy Spirit-inspired words, these transcendent truths, pierce the hearts of those in attendance who labor under the deception, who suffer under this strong delusion. And that's what it means to pick up your cross and follow Christ. (laughs) I thought that pretty strong. But you know, somewhere along the line. Everybody has to make a decision, and I can see it coming more and more. Who would have ever thought just a few years ago that our country would be in such a bad state? Well, I'm not talking about just the money thing. I'm talking about the morality of the country, the sinfulness of the country, and how that our schools have taken over our, our kids, and it's so secular. It's humanistic, and uh, I think it's a shame. But in closing, let me mention this. This hand represents you and me. and This wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. We're all sinners. Nobody's perfect. We've all done things wrong. And the wages of sin is eternal separation from God. But God loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be as righteous as God, and none of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. God says you can't save yourself. Our good works cannot get us to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, said that if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put the payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. The reason I'm going to heaven is because I have a payment for my sin. Christ is my payment. And he paid for all of my sins And that's how I know I have eternal life. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? I believe I know everybody that's in the auditorium here, but you that are watching by internet, if you never trust the Lord right now, just the best you know how just be honest and say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I believe when Christ died, He died for me. He paid for my sins, and I believe that. And friend, if you'll believe that, then he puts that payment to your account. You get to go to heaven when you die. It's the best news in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We do ask, Lord, for good leadership. We pray that there would be a a reckoning among the people that make the laws that we must live under. And we pray, Lord, that they would have great wisdom and to do what's right. We pray that you would bless and intervene because of the sake of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were
1: you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, he would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible.
0: And every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.